I often recommend asking your partner these three questions, and you can do it over and over with, in which I call it sexy check in. Um, I recommend people do it at least quarterly, like once every quarter. Um, but I do it once a month. I just wanted to say thank you to all of you that have joined my Patreon. I'm thrilled to report that there are 34 of you now. I think a lot of you know that my goal is to have 100 patrons by my birthday, which is in October. And I just feel really touched and honored and and thank you. And in case you haven't gotten the memo, if you join the Patreon, if you become a patron at a $10 a month level or more, you get access to a live Q&A with me once a month. That will be happening next Next week, um, this episode is dropping March 17th, Friday, March 17th, and we will be having the live Q&A next week. So if you want to get in on that, you can join anytime before then, and you will get the email with all of the details. So I'm looking forward to it and connecting with you all, and I just really appreciate you. It, it's, it's been quite a ride, and I'm, I'm happy to be here. So thank you for being on this journey with me. Everybody, welcome back. I'm super pumped to have Dr. Tara with us today. She is a sex and relationship expert and a tenured professor at Cal State Fullerton with a bustling sex ed social media following with 2 million followers. If you want to follow her, we will drop her socials in the uh, show notes as well as the description. So I'm so excited to have you on today to talk about hot sexting. Hello. I'm also just as a researcher myself, I'm super excited because you know, you know, things. (laughs) (laughs) I know things, you know, things. you have (laughs) stats and facts and cool shit to back you up. So that's exciting. Um, so yeah, so, uh, would love to get to that. But first, one of the things that really kind of caught my attention about your background was your own kind of journey through sort of a more repressed place to a more open place um, culturally. And it sounds like just in a lot of ways. So I'm wondering, can you tell us, walk us through a little bit of what, what it was like for you kind of growing up in teenagehood in terms of your sexual awareness or just what, what was that like? And then what was your, your journey to where you got to now? Oh my gosh. Uh, I grew up in Bangkok, Thailand, and I went through from first grade to like finishing middle school to a all, all girls Catholic school where your uniform, like your skirt has to cover your knees or else you get hit as a penalty. So, you know, in terms of like shaming based on like what you wear and your value come from how modest you can be, that has been instilled in me since I was five. So I worked hard (laughs) to reframe everything and become the person that I am today. It was a long journey. 
when I was a teenager, I was a very sexually curious teenager. Uh, since we didn't talk about sex because it was so taboo, it wasn't like teenage girls in America where, you know, in the movies, I see they talk about boys or they talk about like, oh my God, did you like kiss him? Did you give him a BJ? Did you like have sex with him? Like it was none of that. Um, us like friends did not talk about sex and my parents never talked about sex. They were the kind of people, I mean, they still are, but my mom's a lot more accepting now. Um, they're the kind of parents that would like fast forward like kissing or sex scene on movies if we're all watching it so I grew up in a very sexually conservative environment I don't I don't think I've ever seen my parents like kiss on the lips so (laughs) to me like my relationship with sex sexuality intimacy and sexual communication is negative so that's a, a little bit about like where I come from. And at what point did you, were you sort of like, oh, there's, there's, that's a problem. Or like, you, when were you sort of like, oh, this doesn't feel good. Or I want to do something different or, you know, what was your kind of awakening? Like, and, and how did that, how did that go? Yeah, I'd love, I love to tell the story of the awakening in like three steps. Because it wasn't like one particular moment that led me here. It was three. The first one was when I first moved to America. Uh, When I first moved to America, I moved to Los Angeles. Um, Arguably one of the most like sexually liberated places. If you've been to like West Hollywood. (laughs) You know, that was the first time I I saw um, just someone naked, like swinging their penis as a dancer uh, in one of the gay bars. And And Los Angeles, I would say like big cities in America to me, uh, you know, a conservative girl from Thailand, big cities in America are very sexually liberated. So my first experience in America was in Los Angeles going to like a sex toy shop and it was a big, big store. And I remember it was just in awe, like it's shock and awe, (laughs) shock of like, holy shit, you, there's so many cock sizes because <laughs> at that point um I've seen one penis <laughs> and you know I'm like wow there's so many cock sizes there's and everyone it's everything's out in the open it's like an apple store it was so big and you can try everything like there's you can test everything on your hands and we don't have such thing in Thailand not even now 2023 we don't have that sex toys are like hidden in Thailand um hidden with like all of the taboo that sex tourism brings to Thailand. But in America, like, I mean, in LA, it's big stores and it's like a fun thing to go to. It's not like a shameful thing to go to. So that was my first like experience that really stuck with me because ever since then, I felt a little bit more comfortable um, going out of my comfort zone and like flirting with guys and started having sex with guys that I like but also cool to like casually have sex with them like friends with benefits so that was my first kind of awakening to like hey you know sex can be something that's like out in the open and it can be like verbally negotiated um and you can have sex fun good sex with people that you're not in like long-term committed supposed to get married relationship 
So that was my first one. Um, that was also the first time I got a sex toy. When did you get a sex toy? Like a vibrator? Oh my God. That's a great question. Um, I don't know. I think I was at least 19, but I think I was in my twenties. Yeah. Yeah. My twenties. Yeah. So same. I was in my twenties. So that was my first sex toy, uh, situation and I loved it. And I would say, honestly, um, for any woman listening as well as men, one of the best ways to have to help women feel more sexually empowered and also to like help her increase her sexual desire is to encourage self-pleasure. Because when you masturbate and you come, um, like obviously this is already spoken about many times, like oxytocin is released when you have an orgasm, including clitoral orgasm. And it's just a great feeling. And it's a great feeling to be able to give yourself pleasure. So I think masturbation is an amazing tool. So that was my first awakening. My second awakening was actually in graduate school. So I had already started studying relationships. I've always been interested in relationships um, in general. I, I would read like dating books, relationship books. And then in graduate school, when I talked to my advisor, like what should I study? What should I focus on? Um, I started studying relationships. And in graduate school, I remember reading this paper that talked about how sex is one of the top issues that all relationships experience, all couples experience at some point in their relationship. And that it's a a very universal experience, like regardless of your religion, culture, country, age, like you will at some point have a sex issue. (laughs) And I remember reading that and I'm like, okay, um, why isn't it soft? If it's such an epidemic, right? But then there's also, you know, such um, like amazing sources and podcasts like yours where you can like learn and change things and find solutions for yourself. You just have to like find them, right? So that was my second one where I, I was more like a academic awakening where I'm like, ooh, I want to focus more on relationship and sex in general, And my third awakening was actually during my previous marriage. So I got a divorce. Um, I got married younger and it was the wrong relationship for me. And during that marriage, I just remember experiencing a lot of cognitive dissonance because I was already studying and teaching sexual communication, and sexuality research. Here are five factors contributing to long-term sexual satisfaction. But in my head, I'm like, fuck, I'm not living that though. So I'm teaching it and I'm researching it and I'm finding out all the things, all the signs. And I, I realize I don't have that. So I personally didn't have like enough sexual self-esteem to you know, pursue what was better for me, what was right for me. And then also, you know, with him, it was not the right relationship from the first place. I just looked past it due to societal pressure. Um, Are you from like a religious family? No, but a lot of our clients are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in my family, um, like you're a woman, it's, it's frowned upon if you're not married before you're thir- before you get to 30. 
So I like, I was, I finished grad school and I'm like, okay, my life's set. I'm on a tenure track, uh, a professor job. Uh, awesome. I get to live in LA, you know, life's great, except I'm not married. So I must find a husband ASAP. And I did. And we got married after six months because he's like, let's do it. You know, I love you. Let's do it. So we did. And it was a mistake that that I don't regret. So no regrets. Uh, I learned so much from him and he's a wonderful human. And I'm sure he is like thriving now in his new relationship. Um, and same as me, like I'm thriving now with my current husband which is like um, an amazing choice for me. So every time I talk to people who are so like hope, who are, who are feeling really hopeless with divorce, I go, think of divorce as an opportunity. It's an opportunity to do everything different this time. And I'm, <laughs> this is a little controversial, but I'm a supporter of divorce. I'm not a supporter of like, let's just be miserable and not get a divorce and be together forever because like, just cause. No, like get a divorce. It's an amazing thing. Like it's such a, <laughs> it's, it sounds funny, right? Like get a divorce. It's an amazing thing. Like it's, it, it will, it felt like the end of the world at the moment because it was so painful. And, you know, I just remember waking up in the morning crying every single day for two weeks after we final finalize the divorce, but all in all, it's an amazing journey that um, I would never change anything. So in that marriage, the cognitive dissonance that I was experiencing is I'm I'm teaching and I'm reading and I'm learning all about sexual wellness and well being, and I'm not doing any of these things. So I'm like, at one point, I remember sitting at the end of the bed crying, and I just I told him I'm not happy. I'm not happy. I can't I can't do this. We don't have sexual chemistry. We don't have passion. It's not the kind of relationship I want it to be in. And I also need to like hold myself accountable, right? Because it's not all your fault. It's just, we are not compatible. So that was my third awakening. And I would say the most important one because it had led me to this career and started my social media and my podcast. And, you know, now going on like, TV shows like talking about my journey and how much sexual well-being changes every single part of my life. Can you say more about that? I'm interested in that in that last part about how it ha- has changed everything for you and also kind of like ha- you know, how did you get there? Like how did you how did you how did you get there? Specifics, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. I can definitely talk about this for a long time, but uh, so from like me experiencing a lot of um, heaviness in my chest, knowing that uh, like every time we kiss or touch, like I was just so not into it. That was the catalyst to me. Like I need to change something. And at that point, I was already studying a lot of sexuality in other through other modalities. So I was oh, I'm I'm like a Western trained social scientist, right? Um, 
like from my PhD, like I learn all about, you know, quantitative research. My I'm a quantitative researcher myself. I teach that class at Cal State Fullerton too. Um, but I, so all I know was a lot of these like research papers. However, at that point, I also met a couple of people in LA that introduced me to somatic wellness um, and sexological body work and Tantra and all these other things I like was never taught in school just because it's a different modality. Um, and I was learning all those things. I was going to some of these classes or workshops or retreat. And then I realized that like, I need this in my life that I feel everything becomes more HD and colorful when I am sexually fulfilled and that I feel like I'm in control of my own sexuality. But when I was in that marriage, I did not feel like I was in control because every time we would have sex, I didn't love it. I didn't love it. And it was, if it was bad for me, I'm sure it was bad for him. So, <laughs> so at that point, I started doing a few things. The first thing was journaling because I learned uh, from positive psychology research that through journaling, you can really kind of trick your brain to believe what you want to become. So I journal like positive affirmations, but like sex related. So I would journal, I am an amazing lover. I love my sexy body. I, you know, love my sexual energy. Um, all those things. I did that for like at least 30 days. And now I do it every single day for the last like four years. I've I've been doing it every single day. However, like when I started after 30 minutes, uh, 30 minutes, 30 days. After 30 days, I saw a huge difference in like me believing and even just how I carry myself, how I like walk around, wear clothes that fit better. Like I just felt good. And that's the kind of feeling that I've always seen. I've always observed in people where someone walks in the room and exudes that kind of like confident energy. It's like it's sexual confidence. And I finally like felt like I was onto something. So that's like a the the small part of that journey. And then another thing that I started doing that now I'm a huge supporter of, and I have a free guided meditation on YouTube is sexual meditation. And when I started my journey, um, I learned about sexual meditation from Dr. Lori Brado. Um who runs the sexuality research lab at the University of British Columbia. And she wrote this book, uh, Better Sex Through Mindfulness. And I read that book many times. I'm still, I'm reading it the third time right now. And I just remember like, wow, I was already doing meditations, but I didn't know that you can do a certain type of meditation that helps you feel more sexually confident and even like heal you from sexual dysfunction. I mean, in one of her studies, in one of her experiments, women who had like cervical cancer and say things like, I can't even feel my pussy, like was able to have higher libido and like sexual desire after her intervention. Like, so I'm like, okay, shit, I'm sold. Like, give me all the sexual meditation. Um, but the first difficulty I encountered was like, I couldn't do some, some of these ones that are exist online are like 30 minutes. And I'm like, shit, I can't meditate for 30 minutes. So I created my own 
guided sexual meditation. One of them is five minutes. One of them is 10 minutes. And I do it every single day. And I have um, some of my friends or students actually do it either like sexual meditation in general, or they listen to the guided sexual meditation when they mindfully masturbate. So that's really cool too. I would say these two things that I've been doing consistently had helped me get from where I was to where I am. They're really powerful tools. I really love that because it does feel like in the West, academia is so dry and so heady and so rigorous in one specific aspect that it it doesn't really include the body in a, in a felt mm-hmm. sense. And so I really love these as accessible tools. And we will, I will drop in the description and the show notes, the link to the guided sexual meditation that you mentioned and that book title, Better Sex Through Mindfulness, in case anyone is out there, don't stop your car to write those titles down. I got you. (laughs) Um, um, But yeah, I love the um, putting the time in, right? Putting, Putting the effort in, mindful effort to, I want this part of my life to feel different. I'm going to take some action on that. And I'm curious too, um, because you did mention sort of, I was kind of with the wrong partner. So there were a couple of things going on, but one of that was one of them. Can you speak to what happened after you sort of, it sounds like it was sort of happening at the same time. You were, you were starting to do some of this exploration and the divorce was happening. Okay. And then walk us through kind of like, what was the transition to then your current husband? You know, what happened sexually? Did you start having different kinds of partners or what, what happened? Oh, that's such a good question. Damn. I now know why so many people listen to this podcast. (laughs) That's an amazing question. Uh, Yes. Oh, wow. I feel like I've never shared this part of my life, but I'm stoked to share uh, because it's definitely a huge lesson for me. So when I got married to my ex-husband, my goal was to marry someone that checked every box. So I call him resume husband. I married a resume husband that I never had sexual chemistry with from the get-go Um, And if he's being truly honest to himself, like he would agree. Uh, We never like, we were just both like, quote unquote, perfect for each other. You know, like he was handsome, tall, um, worked in finance and like just great husband material. Right. Like he also loved meditation. He was also a Buddhist. I'm a Buddhist. So I'm like, okay, great. Like check every box. Want to get married? He's like, yeah, let's get married. We got married. And we just had a really good friendship, but we never had like sexual chemistry, the kind of tension that I, I mean, I had with some people I fucked in my twenties, but like those weren't husband materials. Right. So that was my, now that now looking back, that's the thing that I have done differently this time around is not dating people based on their resume. Cause that's a big no, no. And people don't believe me. Like I have girlfriends that are single now and they're in their thirties and they're like really bad bitches. Like they are huge go-getters. They make a lot of money, but like they're dating resumes. And I'm like, you got to stop doing that. Look at my divorce. I, I married a resume and it didn't work because it's at the end of the day, you want chemistry. It's like the, the joy of life really. And it's okay if you're listening and you're feeling like you married 
the wrong person, it's okay. Remember, divorce is an opportunity. (laughs) Um, So that's the one thing I did differently this time around when I started dating. I'm like, I'm just going to go with my gut. But that also came with um, the reason why I was able to tap into that was because I started meditating every single day and understanding a lot more of like, my body, my intuition, how to feel stuff in my body. Like, oh, if someone's in the room and I'm like, oh, I don't feel good about this person. Now I trust it. Back in the days, I did not because I was Western trained. Like I didn't think about those things. But now that I've like really embedded myself in like the somatic wellness and and meditation and everything else, I'm a lot more intuitive. So I only dated based on do I feel good? And is there raw sexual chemistry? And oof, ooh, girl, my <laughs> with my current husband. Okay, so here's a little tea. We actually met long time ago when I was with my ex-husband. And when we met, I remember even we weren't like sexually flirting. I just remember feeling like, damn, I can feel the electricity. And when you're like in tune with your body, you can totally feel it. But I was, I was like, and not sure. Like maybe I'm just interested in him, kind of like a celebrity crush, right? Like maybe I'm just like, oh, like you're hot. Like, you know, I like you, but we were just friends. Anyways, afterwards, when we um, started like seeing each other kind of playfully, like as friends, I realized like, wow, every time I see this person and spend time with this person, my body feels so good. And I was also dating other other people at the time too, because, you know, your girl likes dating. Uh, but it did not feel the same way. Like I would go on a fun, super fun date with a guy, but it just didn't feel the same way in my body. When I meet, like when I see Brent, my now husband, I remember every time I see him, I was like a little school girl. I was so excited. And, you know, we would we would be able to like drop into that space of peace and like romance that I never had with anyone else. We write each other like long ass Shakespeare letters. And like, you know, after now a few years of being together, uh, we still do that. And it's just because now this time around, I know to also voice my desires and what I need. In my past relationship, I did not. And that's why one of the reasons why I always say like, I can't blame him because he didn't know he's not God. He can't read my mind. I I should have said something. But this time around, I always communicate my desires up front. If I, if I say, you know, oh, my love, one of my important love languages is gifts. And when I do, when I get gifts, I feel like it's thoughtful and that you've thought of me and I feel very special. And I know maybe some girls don't care about gifts as much, but I do. So I just say things like that. But again, like I have to acknowledge to be able, anyone to be able to say things like that, you have to have a lot of safety in that relationship. Because I've talked to a lot of women where they're like, oh, I can't say that to my husband. Like I want gifts Um, or like the guy they're dating. Like I don't want them to think I'm a gold digger. Uh, And I always say, if this is the right person for you, they will not think you're a gold digger. It's your love language, like explain it to them. And if they want to see it in a negative light, I mean, that sounds like an issue, not an ish me. <laughs> I've not heard that before, but that's pretty fucking great. Um, 
So I love everything that I'm hearing and especially the, um, the part about inviting the right attention, right? Inviting the kind of attention that you want from, from a partner and then seeing, are they responsive? Mm. Do they respond? Do they want to give you what you need? Do they, are they trying? Do they just respond? Because that is to your point, the essence of safety in a relationship is, can I ask for what I need from you and be responded to? And if you, if you can't, it's really easy to think that it's you, right? Oh, I'm not asking the right way. I'm not saying it in the right manner. And sometimes it's not you. <laughs> sometimes they're not available to respond to you in that way. So I just, I love the alignment of you offering your heart and sharing your heart and speaking to your needs and him responding to that and in a positive way and meeting you where you want it to be met. Because I think that's something that I've definitely seen in a lot of clients is, they're bending over backwards, trying to communicate their needs, trying to, to, to share, and they're just getting shut down right, right, left and center. And it's really discouraging and also confusing because we can internalize that, especially if we come from a background of neglect or if there's some other things that were happening in the home, it can feel like, well, it's always, it must be me. It's gotta be me when sometimes yeah. like, actually, I think that one might be your partner. <laughs> that might, might actually be different if you're with a different person. Um, so yeah. And I love the, just, yeah, the meditation and the dedication that you brought to your process, the, the consciousness, the, um, accessing your intuition, just all of that feels deeply feminine and deeply nourishing and yeah, just sort of like transforming yourself from the inside out. Um, and I, I don't know. I just, I like hearing that you've been together for years and you still write long letters to each other. Like it's so romantic. We do. Yeah. We like, we don't forget. Cause we're both really, really busy too. Like I have four jobs and you know, he's a painter. So he's always in the studio painting, but I think for us, we, we do a lot of sexual communication uh, and I'm excited to get into sexting, but we do a lot of sexual communication Um in like every way, like the macro communication, the micro communication. And I can expand on that if you want. But basically, I always check in um, on him and our relationship about like how we feel sexually. Because I, from the get-go when we started hanging out and I said, this time around when I'm in a relationship, I want the sex to be fucking incredible. No mediocre sex for me. No more. I'm like, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm 30. I'm flirty. I'm like, I don't give a shit. I need amazing sex. No compromise. I will give you a lot of feedback. Um, but that's what I need for myself. And I mean, ever since I started prioritizing my sexual well-being and communicate my sexual needs and also communicate, also ask him a lot of questions to hear from like, his point of view um we just have amazing sex like amazing sex life in general and sex itself and exploration yeah talk to me about what you you said about sexual communication because i do want to get into sexting and um but you mentioned macro and micro or some words like that what what do you what do you mean and what do you teach when it comes to sexual communication 
Yeah, I love talking about this. So this is like what I teach the whole semester, like four months of this. But basically, macro communication is dialogue about sex that you have in your relationship. So it's macro. It's not like during sex. It's not sexting. It's not dirty talk. It's about sex. So questions that you can ask your partner um, about sex from you know um, the past, the the present, and the future. Um, all of that is macro, like how you would rate an importance of sex in your relationship or how you prioritize sex in a relationship. That's macro communication. So macro sexual communication is talking about sex. And typically it happens uh, in a non-sexual context. So over coffee, on a hike, at a beach, <laughs> uh, at a grocery store, <laughs> whatever. Um But in macro communication, I often recommend asking your partner these three questions and you can do it over and over with, in which I call it sexy check-in. Um, I recommend people do it at least quarterly, like once every quarter. Um, but I do it once a month. So the first question that I ask is, how would you rate our sex life the last couple of weeks from one to 10? Right. Um, and we have a lot of safety in the relationship, so we can share an honest number. So if it's a month where, you know, I've been really busy and like I have a lot of like rush sex, then he'll go, "Well, Tara, you know, I, I I have to say the last three weeks you've been like away a lot and traveling a lot, and every time we have sex it's like 15 minutes. I'm gonna say it's like six. But it's not because of you as a you know lover. It's like how we are able to have sex. So I would love for us to like schedule like a sex day where we can have you know an hour or two where we're just like cuddling, cuddling and cuddling this, <laughs> like you know cuddling, do a lot of oral and just like hang out and then fuck and then hang out. Like you know he's like I miss that. It just seems like you're really busy. So when he says things like that. I'm like, oh shit! I get checked, you know. Uh, that's why it's called sexy check in. Like, I get checked. He's like, hey, like I need my wife. Like, and then I I hear it, and I go, you know, what can I do to make it to make a six and eight? Then he'll go, okay, if this Sunday you can have like no work at all. Um, we could make it a sex day where we order in and we you know just hang out here. So I say, okay, deal. Like I would love that. And it serves the purpose of sexual connection, but at, but also like building trust and consistency, right? Because how I respond, like you said, respond how you respond is a huge part of safety and trust. So if I respond with "Why? What's wrong with me?" Then that trust is like whoop, right? It goes down because it's like shit. Now I can't say anything. My partner is negatively responding. So again, like I, I completely understand that that response is key. It's like really important. So that's the first question. The second question I'd say um, that I like to ask is, what are some of the things? What are some of the sexual things that I do right now that you really love and that you would like want more of? So sometimes we'll say blowjobs. I'm like, great, done, deal. <laughs> uh, Or just like read erotica together or something like that. So that's the present. 
And in the future, a fun question to ask is, uh, what's like a sexual thing that you've never done that you could potentially be interested in trying like five to 10 years from now? And this is a fun question and really a good inception question, because if you do want to try something in 10 years, you want to start now. <laughs> if you're like, I think we'll be swinging which like we talk about, like, you know, in like 10 years. And he's like, yeah, I feel, I feel you. Like, I feel like you would want to explore that. I'm like, yes. So that's a good question to like have now. It's low pressure because it's not happening now. And we're saying, what is something you want to try in like five to 10 years? A lot of people are not worried about that right now. So it allows people to be a little bit more honest and playful in their answer. So these are the questions that I'd like to recommend for macro sexual communication. Something I really like about that is the word playful, because I think there, there, there is so much, there can be so much stress and tension around sexuality because of the reasons that we listed, right? Religious background, family of origin, just tightness in our bodies of like, oh my God, we're talking about this thing I've never talked about. And like, she just said that word, or you know, oh, I can't believe I'm going to say that word. And so I think the idea of, of bringing lightness and playfulness and a spirit of exploration, like we're trying things out. And part of what I really like about the first part, which I think would probably feel scary to a lot of people of like, Hey, how would you rate our sex life? You know, over the past month, I think that what's, what's nice about that, especially on an ongoing basis is this is part of our relationship and it's going to ebb and flow. And there are going to be periods that are different than other periods. And I think a lot of us sort of think of it as static, like either we have a good sex life or we don't, but the truth is sex is a part of life and life is shifting all the time. We're constantly growing, going through phases you know, sometimes we're more tired. Sometimes there's grieving happening for something in our life or just things are happening. And so there's a nice way of, of normalizing, like sometimes it's going to be a six and sometimes it's going to be an eight and like, we're still together. And what I really loved about what you said, or the way that you described the, like, Hey, you've been really busy lately. I miss my wife. Um, is it felt like there was a teamwork aspect like you bringing it up and him sharing and then him being like, Oh, what would feel really good is this Sunday. If you could just not have any work and we could just order in. Like, it felt like a give and take a back and forth, like a, like a team, like a loving team. Like we're on the same side, we're on the same team. And I think that's something that, um, a lot of, I would say my clients really crave in their relationship that they're maybe not experiencing is there's mm-hmm. that sense of, I bring something, you bring something, we make something mm-hmm. together. And I just, I guess I wanted to highlight how, how lovely it is to hear from someone that is in a relationship like that, where it's like, Hey, look, it can be done. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Um, I'm interested in what you just said that like a lot of your clients don't feel like that's something that they can talk about or that's possible in the relationship. I understand sexual communication is difficult. We were never, ever taught to talk about sex. In fact, we were shamed um, about sexual communication. So I understand the difficulty, but at the same time, in long-term relationships, um, if we're not able to talk about sex at all, um, that's a big red flag to me. How do you help your clients if they're like, oh, my wife like flips out if I ever bring up sex. Yeah, that's, it's sort of a, 
it's, it's a balance between what, what we're talking about of trying different things. Like let's try you bringing it up like this or in this way. And then sometimes it is sort of like, this doesn't seem possible. This, this doesn't, it doesn't feel like this person is actually open to going in the direction that you want to go. And then they need to evaluate the relationship because yeah. it, it, you know, to your point, you, you had a very strong boundary around, look, sex is really important to me. I need mm-hmm. my sex life to be thriving. And you were very clear going into your next relationship. Mm-hmm. This is a non-negotiable. This is not something I'm willing to tolerate not being great. Mm-hmm. And I think that everyone is on a different journey around that and in different mm-hmm. stages because some, some people are just awakening now and they're just mm-hmm. starting to realize, you know, and I think that there's a lot of complication around, you know, children, um, Mm. very established marriages, entangled lives. There's a lot of, there's a lot to think about when it comes to things. And one thing that I've noticed is sometimes men will come and say, oh, wow, am I really going to take a stand for sex? Like, is that enough (laughs) for me to change my whole life around? You know, it feels like, am I selfish for wanting that? Am I selfish for needing that? And I think that that sometimes it just takes some reassurance. Like, no, this is part of the aliveness of life. This is part of what makes a relationship feel good mm. and feel close and feel... Because a lot of times I think sex isn't just about pleasure. It's about closeness. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the men that I've I've witnessed and worked with and experienced, they've been shamed or they've been made to feel very guilty for wanting sex or needing sex. Mm-hmm. And it's been reduced to like, it's just about your cock. It's just about you wanting to get off when that's missing the whole truth of no, they want the closeness. They want the intimacy. They want the pleasure, but they also want the sense of, of team and of we, and of us and of love really of love. And I think that's one of the things that breaks my heart the most. When I hear those stories is just those men being missed, feeling missed They are being missed. Like it's about more than that and not knowing how to kind of get to the other side. So I could keep talking about this forever, but I really want to get to the sexting part. (laughs) Yes. Interesting. And I, um, I'm super curious just about, you know, you mentioned some research about how it differs for maybe for men and women, um, in the queer community, just like walk us through a little bit of your, your background in terms of research around sexting or what you've heard and, and how can people sext better? Yeah, I'd love to. (laughs) In my class, there's a whole chapter on sexting. And I also have students do like presentations on sexting. I also wrote a textbook chapter on sexting. So there's a lot about sexting. But let's see what we can cover in like 20 minutes. is uh, uh, First, just first and foremost, sexting is powerful. It's not just something you just do for fun. It actually has a huge a significant impact on the person you're dating or the relationship that you're in, the marriage that you're in. So sexting is not just some like funs and fun and games. It's actually a huge tool. Um, number two, uh, multiple studies found that sexting in, in committed relationships, sexting is a significant predictor of sexual satisfaction. Isn't that interesting? Uh, which sexual satisfaction is highly correlated with relationship satisfaction. So sexting, not only, like I said, is a powerful tool, like it literally is a predictor of a good sex life. So if you're not doing it right now, start doing it. 
<laughs> and and then, what would you say, because I know I'm going to get this question. What would you say to men who are dating uh-huh. or right? Not in a long-term committed relationship about, well, how do I know, how do I start? Because I don't want to offend her. I don't want to push her away. I don't want her to think I'm a creepy asshole. How do you actually start engaging there? Because I think that some men would be afraid. I don't want to come off as creepy. Great question. Use macro sexual communication. So ask her like, Hey, how do you feel about sexting? This is outside of sex context. Like when maybe you're getting coffee or going to dinner, like, how do you feel about sexting? I read an article or I listened to Melanie and they were talking about sexting. Like, how do you feel about sexting? 100% the girl will go like either, you know, eh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm okay about it. Like whatever it's good is bad. It just depends on the context. Or maybe some of them will be like, ah, it's really not my thing. I don't like it at all. Or maybe someone will be like, I think it's pretty hot, right? It's either low, moderate or high, right? It's always that. Or I've never tried it. I don't right. know. I don't, what, you know, what do you mean by that? Because I think a lot of people, it's a word that a lot of people don't necessarily know. Like they're going to have judgments about what it actually means. Um, yeah. So anyway, continue. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. So maybe when you go with like, how do you feel about sexting? Maybe she'll be like, what is it? Then you can go uh, the academic definition, like uh, sexually explicit messages and photos, (laughs) Uh, um, which, you know, like, how do you feel about that? Like, you know, like, let's say if I was to sext you some like foreplay stuff, you know, how how excited I am to go down on you, for example, like, is that too much? How do you feel about it? Um, And then gauge it from there. So don't just like try to do it first. I would say like check in first because it could just be like out of nowhere and it could elicit negative response because it's like out of context and like out of the blue. So I would say check in first. And then if she's game, then there's a lot of fun things to play. Uh, So there is uh, different ways to sext. First is messages. Second is photos, which can include like suggestive um, GIFs or also like short videos. So that's like a little bit more advanced. (laughs) Um, But sexting in traditional sense, people think of messages. Now, when you construct these messages, there are a few things to think about. First is like, how deep are you in this relationship? Right. If it's brand new, you probably don't want to go like, oh, can't wait to put my cock in your pussy tonight. <laughs> can I say that? Is it you can say whatever the fuck you want? Okay. It wasn't sure. All right. Um, so if you're if it's like newly, if you're newly dating and you and and you checked in and she's like, Oh yeah, I'd love to try. Um, I would start with something a little bit more like um, you know, um, can't wait to taste you this weekend. Or, um, cause taste could be like oral or just kissing. Right. So it can be a little bit more innocent. Um, and that's, you know, sexting, a lot of sexting is typically like quite explicit. So if you were to sex, if you were to text someone things like, you know, uh, I find you so beautiful or something like that, that's not sexting. <laughs> sexting is typically, um, a lot more sexual, raunchy, and some scholars would say non-PC and almost derogatory. 
depends on which category you're using. So there's like the mild one where you go, I can't wait to taste you. But then there's also like a moderately spicy one where you go, you know, um, can't wait to be inside you or can't wait to be, yeah, can't wait to be inside you. Where this now says like, oh, penetrative sex, right? But then there's also, you know, uh, super spicy where I just said like, you know, can't wait to see my cock in your pussy right? Where you can add these words to up the intensity. And some women like it. Like I like it <laughs> just because I'm freaky. I love it when my husband sex me. Um, it's hot. Like I'm excited. <laughs> and it's just such a unique thing to get during the day. You know, like it breaks up the day. Like if you're writing a paper and you get this text, and you're like shit, man, like I'm horny now. So I think it helps with keeping that playfulness in your sexual relationship with each other too. So that's in terms of intensity, but there's also a category. So like you can describe what you want to see. You can ask questions. So like what underwear are you wearing? Right. Like you can ask questions. You can also um, do a whole like story. So like this weekend, uh, I'm going to pick you up. You're not going to wear underwear. And then I'll know you're not wearing underwear. And in the car, uh, I'm going to start touching your pussy. And I'm going to start sliding one of my fingers in there to see how wet you are. And then when we get to my place, like you can tell the whole story. So that's like advanced version. If you're already sexting and you want to try something new, try the advanced version where you construct like a short story. Um, And some women love getting that. I love getting it. So that's uh, categories. Um, Now there's a, a whole other thing like photos. But you have to understand, you know, iCloud or, you know, the cloud is not the safest place. So if you're sending naked photos, just know it's going to be in the cloud. Like it's going to be out there. Two ways that you can do it to for safety is like Snapchat because, you know, it goes away. But then who knows, like Snap stores stuff too. Another way is the the disappearing um, text on IG, on Instagram. But if you're in a relationship for a while or with your wife, I I mean, I I don't think there's any shame in like just sending a photo. Like I send them all the time. My husband sends them all the time. And photos can be really suggestive and photo can work like really effectively as sexting because some people just don't know what to say. Uh, However, you do want to set up the context. Like here's a sexting tips um for people that are that like sending dick pics don't just send dick pics out of context you know send like at least a sentence before or after right after sending that picture something about her right like so first you can send thinking of you dot 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 and then send a picture of your erection now that's a good dick pic but it's, it's just like a dick pic. Sometimes like a girl, like a woman will get it and be like, what the fuck is this for? Right. So set up the mood a little bit, like thinking of you, um, thinking of last weekend, um, whatever, and then send the dick pic. So that's a way to sext. And then the last way to sext is videos. So some people will masturbate and then they will film like five seconds or 10 seconds of their masturbation and send it to their partner. Along with the text, thinking of you. 
And a lot of it does depend, like you said, on the level of trust that's built in the relationships. Yeah. I think it's important just to, to, to mention and understand that there is no rule book, right? There's no, you, you know, there's no way of determining beforehand what's too much. So you kind of want to go at the pace of the relationship. And I think the reason yeah. that so many women complain about dick pics is because to your point, there's no context. There's often, I haven't even been sexual with you yet. There's no, like, we, we haven't even gone on a date. Like there's it's no- unsolicited. Exactly. That's the part. It's unsolicited versus you're someone that I'm dating. You're someone I've had mm-hmm. sex with. We're, we're getting to know each other in a deeper way. There's levels to this. So it's yeah. not black or white. It's not one thing or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I have found really hot is um, I'm remembering this moment from last night when I had you up against the door. Yeah. Or so I think there's a way that you can use memories or things that yeah. you've experienced together that counts as sexting. And you can take photos that are suggestive that don't have your face in them or marking yeah. that, you know, like I you can take pictures of your legs in a certain way or you know, a silhouette, or it can be artistic and fun. And I think that's really the, the main thing is like, this can be fun. It can be a fun part of your life. So I guess I really want to encourage you listening. If you are in a relationship to, to really consider this, like this could be a fun way of engaging with your partner and bringing a little bit more heat and passion and creativity. Honestly, like some of the best sexting I've done has been through GIFs. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. So just like, you know, I, like he says, I'm remembering last night, dot, dot, dot. And then I send like a woman biting her, biting her, like yeah. you know, her finger or something. And he's, I remember once a guy sent me, um, a picture of a man sitting on the bed, like patting his, um, thigh, like, come here, like come sit uh-huh. on me. And he oh. was wearing a suit and it was, it was just like, oh my God, I felt the zing in my pussy when I got that gif. I was oh, like, oh yeah, yes, I feel it. And that's I love the pussy zing moment. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> Hashtag pussy zing. But for real, like that's part of the spice of life. It's part mm-hmm. of the aliveness. It's part of the, 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 the heat and the hundred percent. Yeah. So I think there's a way that, um, it can feel intimidating, right? Sexting can feel intimidating, but if you just sort of focus on what, what do I like about this person? Like, what do I like about this person sexually? Or what is a fun sexual memory? Like a vivid kind of like, you know, those Polaroid moments when you're like, Ooh, like this, like I'm riding you and it's, it's hot right now. It's like, it's like real hot. Those moments, like bringing those in, it doesn't need to be more elaborate than that. And then you can go from there. So you can 100%. Or even I remember I texted a guy once, I'm I'm wearing a skirt and boots and no underwear. And I just thought you should know. <laughs> love that. I love that. I love teasing. Teasing yes. is so good. And I love memories too. Um, I think like memories, memory is easier for me because then I can just be like, oh, what did we do this morning? And then I just text him like loved riding daddy's cock last night or, you know, um, then to me, it's like, there's content to be made <laughs> because what had happened was so hot. And let me just like, remember what happened and then write it out. So I love memories. Um, and yeah, teasing so fun. And the way you said is so fun, except I never wear underwear. So that wouldn't work for me. Cause he would be like, you never wear underwear. Like it's not extra hot. <laughs> I'd have to, I have to think about a way like 
I don't know, but I, I love teasing. That's so hot. What you said is hot. Thank you. I, um, I think it's also like, it is a risk, right? It's a risk this, it, and I kind of encourage my clients take healthy risks, just yeah. take healthy risks and know that if, if something goes wrong or you make a mistake, you'll be able to adjust. So I, I really like what you said about like, just have a little conversation. Like, Hey, how do you feel about sexting? You know, I've done a lot of it in my life. Just curious where you're at. Like, is that something we could play with? You know, how do you feel about it? And, and you can make it inviting, you know, it doesn't need to be scary or intimidating. You know, you get to, you get to make it up yourself. It doesn't need to be elaborate. Cause I think sometimes when people hear sexting, they're like, Oh God, what if I fuck it up? Or what if I say the wrong thing? Or what does that even mean? Like, I think a lot of people don't really know what it means and it doesn't have to be what no, you feel. And, and even if you messed up, it's just funny. Like I remember texting um, my now husband back then when we were just dating at like hot fuck last night, but it auto-corrected to duck. <laughs> so it just, it was just hot duck last night. So after it sent, I was just laughing out loud. So afterwards I sent a duck emoji. <laughs> Yes. And that's the whole thing, right? Is that playfulness, that sense of lightness, that sense of spirit, that sense of there's something here around joy and connecting in joy in a relationship that I think adds a lot of heat and spice and doesn't need to be elaborate. Does it, you know, it can be, it can be quick. It can, like you said, it breaks up the day. It's something about that. And I think especially me feeling appreciated by my man as a sexual being, I yes. find soothing. Like, oh good, he still wants to fuck me. Because I think it's good for men to remember that some of women's insecurity, it involves like, okay, he wanted to fuck me before, but like, does he still want to fuck me? Like, am I still attractive to him? Does he still mm-hmm. like me? And I think that maybe it's good to remember like, it is soothing to to women who are sexually aware or awake. It's, it's actually really helpful to know that you still want us. <laughs> I love that you said soothing. It's like, it's like Vicks, like Vicks Vaporub. <laughs> like it's so soothing. It is now that I think about it, it yeah. is soothing. It's, I love it. I love when I get it because it's like, oh, like he thinks I'm hot, you know? Yes. I mean, it's such a great way to do like attraction check. Yes, exactly. It's a way to yeah. stay connected. It's a way to know that you still find me attractive and, Period. I love that. There's something, there's a lot, there's a lot here. Well, we could talk for hours. Um, as we start to wrap up, can you just uh, let people know where they can find you, where they can find your work? I will, again, I will drop the links that you mentioned for the, um, sexual meditation and the book that you mentioned and your TikTok. I would imagine, but is there anywhere else that people can find you? Yes. So my website is lovebites.co and everything is on there. It's uh, L-U-V-B-I-T-E-S dot C-O, lovebites.co. And I will also drop that in the um, in the chat. Um, and so, so I'm wondering if you would be willing to, I'm super curious if we could wrap with what are, uh, yeah, a few others of the something you would like to try in five to 10 years that yeah. your husband has shared with you or and or that you've shared with him. Just that's such a cool question. Oh yeah. Ooh. I mean, we've said so many things by now because we have asked this for many, like a couple of years. Um, one of them. So when we started dating, like one of them was, uh, going to a, a, going to an orgy and not just like a sex, but not just a play party where like people can, 
uh, be naked and stuff, but like an, a legit orgy. <laughs> <laughs> a legit orgy. Makes me think of the sex tent at Burning Man. Yes, like that. Uh, but but less dust. <laughs> more luxurious I would say um that was something I shared that he like was like yeah I mean I'd be interested like you know in five to ten years um so that's something that we shared uh let's see something that he shared um something that something that he shared recently was to have sex with uh a sex worker in Amsterdam Oh, interesting. Cool. Uh, while I wash. So I'm the cock. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't mind cucking, honestly. I feel I think it's pretty hot. Uh-huh. Um, but basically he'll like have sex with a sex worker and specifically in Amsterdam, because we just thought it was it's a hot environment. Um, or Berlin. And then like I'll just like watch and masturbate and like maybe squirt on them or something. <laughs> Love it. I really appreciate the, like we've talked about, just the safety of feeling expressed with a yeah. partner and feeling like they're not going to be threatened or judge you for it, but be like, cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's an interesting thought. You know, What's it's yours. Oh, something I'd like to try in five or 10 yeah. years. That's a great one. Let me think. Um, I would really, I don't, I don't want to wait five or 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> It's now. It's now. Yeah, it's, no, it's now. I would really love to have sex somewhere under like a huge bed of stars, like a legit, like remote location where it's warm enough to be naked outside and just huge velvety starry sky that I can like be with my man and see the sky at the same time. I think there's something erotic about that. Oh, I love that. I think that's very erotic too. Um, we did that before and we loved it. Right? We did that at Joshua Tree. Mm. It was just incredible. There's no light pollution, so it's incredible. Yeah, hashtag goals. I I'm I would like to I would like You're to You're next. That. Joshua <laughs> Tree is a great place to do that, actually. Yes, and it's not far, so that's cool. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This was really fun. This was. Thank yeah. you for having me. Yeah, it was one of our intentions. So I feel like we nailed it. Fun. We had fun. 